Take your Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms 1 and verse 1. We considered verse 1 last week and getting more into verse 2 this week. And the idea here is how do you keep on walking after you've made a decision for Christ, not only to receive Him as your Savior, but then others that along the line in their Christian life, they've gone forward in church service or maybe just in their own home private devotions. God has spoken to their heart and they make a decision. And yet so often it's easy to see just a few months down the road, maybe just a few weeks down the road, that decision has been abandoned without really realizing it. And so this short series of sermons is just to help us to stick with it. Not to give up. Stick with those decisions that you've made, those promises that we've made to God, because they're important. So in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's what happens with a blessed man of God who continues to walk with the Lord. And we say blessed man of God because it uses that terminology, but really it's blessed for any believer in Christ when they follow these directions. So let's have a word of prayer, then we'll look at the message for today. Father, we want to rightly divide your word. I pray, Father, that each person now will see not me talking to them, but Jesus Christ talking to them through this word by spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would rebuke the devil and not allow anything to hinder your word speaking to someone's heart today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The question I might start out with is to say, are you happily content with Jesus Christ and His preserved living Word, the Bible. Blessed here in the Hebrew, as we look at it, is, is uh, well, it is a plural. You know, God's blessings are always plural. We, we miss that. God's blessings are plural. And the Hebrew word is plural here. And so, we find that uh, uh, when God blesses, it's, 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 He's got more in mind than just one little thing. It's a blessing. It really is. And so, we're blessed of God. But, we look at that word in the Hebrew, as a matter of fact, the word blessed, is a form of the word Esther. Now, Queen Esther was in the Bible. She was brought to a, to a kingdom there. She became the queen and, and um, they didn't know she was a Jew. 
The king didn't know she was a Jew. The wicked man named Haman didn't know she was a Jew. But Haman came up with an idea to kill all the Jews there under the Medo-Persian Empire. They were going to kill her. And they had a set day in which you killed them, you get money for it. They found out about it. Mordecai, her uncle, found out about it. Let's Esther know. Esther says, well, nobody's allowed to go into the king unless he puts out this, if he hasn't called for him, unless he puts out the scepter that he can touch. And Mordecai says, well, maybe the Lord has brought you to such an hour as this. Maybe put you in your place for this hour. And realize that if you're saved, you are where you are because God's brought you to that place. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a he wants to do something with you and for you and through you. And that was her. Esther doesn't know if she's going to die from this thing or not. But she knows it's God's will. She knows it's what God would have her to do. And I love her statement. If I perish, I perish. Well, it is far better to be with the Lord, isn't it? But she would not perish that day her people would be delivered, blessed. <laughs> it was blessed. All the Jews were blessed because she was faithful. Everyone was blessed by God through Esther because she remained faithful to that. As a matter of fact, each year they celebrate a feast called Purim. It started from that time through that delivery. And so, what an interesting thing to have a name that reflects blessed, and it's plural. Uh, the Hebrew rendering of the word serves as both an adjective as well as substantive. In other words, the adjective describes something about a subject or a person or whatever it is. Substantive, though, uh, goes a little bit more because it refers to a firmness, a reality. Therefore, it is important. It's meaningful. It's very considerable. As a matter of fact, behind that word, blessed, is the idea of happily content. That's why I asked that question at the beginning. We think of blessed only as, oh, man, I got this. You know, man... I got to do this. You know, we say it's a blessing, and it probably is a blessing. But a lot of times things in, in a, they have a short lifetime, a short period. I mean, you may get something brand new. And in a year or two, it's not new anymore. And you said, oh, so what? But boy, at the time, you felt blessed. But a person in Christ will find that he's happily content when he walks with the Lord. He stays true to the word that he gave to the Lord because the Lord always stays true to his word. And there's where you find his help, his power, his work. And that doesn't guarantee that there'll be no problems in life. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you follow him, there's going to be a whole lot of problems, okay? Because the world hates him. There's a spiritual warfare that goes on. You either fight on the side of the devil or you fight on the side of the Lord. That, that's just the way the Bible lets us know us, that goes on. 
You can be a saved person and be like a traitor in that you're helping the forces of evil in compromise and so many other things. But understand, especially, let me say this to parents. Let me say this to people that are contemplating getting married. You get married, your walk with God is very important. It's of utmost importance. You see, it may be your spouse. It may be your child. There's one day in danger. One day, they're facing a surgery that they may or may not make it. The man who walks with God, the man who lives in obedience to God, and I say the man or the woman that walks with God and, and, and walks in obedience to God and keeps his word and does what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. By the way, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Against such there is no law. But you know one of those, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, I left off one. Temperance, that's it. I said that because that's what we often leave off. Temperance is doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. A lot of times we think, well, that's, that's not drinking alcohol. And it's good, and you shouldn't. But temperance is not doing what you're not supposed to do, and it is doing what you are supposed to do. Now, you make decisions for Christ, you walk in those decisions, and guess what? When that spouse, that child, whatever the situation, the problem may be, you can expect to have power with God. That's of utmost importance. The devil has many things that seem like fun, but he throws that before you. You'll find that uh, you lose one of the blessings of being blessed of God. And you see, you're not given a head of time warning usually when it may be one of those things that come up. And you need to have power with God right then. Now, you can be good and moral as far as everybody else is concerned. But just a working knowledge or just a little bit of a knowledge of the Word of God, you'll know whether or not you're walking with God. Even though you're good and moral. Make sure you're faithful to the Word of God. Do His Word daily. Now, again, substantive. I, just, I used that word, and I, I used it for a purpose. It, it's what's important. It's something that's, that's, that is substantial. It, 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 it is that thing that's meaningful. It's important. It's important to be blessed of God. You see, uh, it may come up. For an example, today, what, what do we have today? Now we have the, the vaccine. Everybody wants to know, did you get your vaccine? Did you get your vaccine? Did you get your vaccine? You had that come, some say I'm taking it, some say I'm not. But, you know, there's been all kinds of vaccines over the years. There's been flu vaccines. There's this vaccine. There's that vaccine. They come up. Some people it does good for. Other people, I, I, I had a flu 
shot back in the late 1960s. My boss, where I was working at a bottling plant for uh, Pepsi-Cola, and my boss there said, uh, you guys get a flu shot. You're getting a flu shot today. I said, man, I'm not getting a flu shot. He says, well, that's all right, but if you get the flu, if you get the flu, you're fired. Now, back in the 60s, you could do that, okay? You could do it and get away with it. I don't think they could do that today, but back then you could. So I got the shot. The sickest I've ever been in my lifetime was the three next days after that, on all three of those days. I mean, I was, uh, well, I won't go into descriptions. It's too gross before lunch. Uh, but I was sick. I said, never again. Nobody's going to do that to me again on anything. Okay. That, that, that was my attitude about it. Other words, when something is substantive, you even know the side effects. You know the things can come up, and you want to go through that. It's, it's just like the, the, the present vaccine that they have today. Some people said, man, that was great at work. Others said, well, well, well my wife died, my, my husband died, my, someone died from it that was close to me. And I'm not blaming, I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just saying that it's not substantive. But the things of God are. His power, His blessing is substantive. So blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's the things that he doesn't do, but boy, you want to think about the things that he does do. But even in death for the Christian, to be with Christ, Philippians tells us, chapter 1, is far better. Oh, we have lifetime blessings and prayer answers, but being with Christ is far, far better. Now, as we think on that, verse 1, we saw the blessed of man, uh, God-man, and, and what they do not do. I mean, there are certain things, if you're going to be blessed of God, you better not be doing in your life. But in verse 2, we started looking at things that he, we do do, you might say. And so when you think about that, that one of the first things he says is that he delights in the law of the Lord. Now there's people today say, yeah, the law of the Lord was the Old Testament. It was the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us today. Oh, that was just for Israel, so that doesn't apply to us today. But now, let's just think about that. The word delight, before we add it to the law, because really the law is mentioning the Word of God. The Bible, we say Old Testament, New Testament. A lot of Jewish uh, people that have been converted say Old Covenant, New Covenant. But either way, the Bible, we say it has 66 books, but it is all one volume. It is word for word, the word of God. It is preserved for us today. In the Hebrew, it was the Masoretic text. In the Greek, it was the Textus Receptus. And those were translated into what we call the King James Bible today. And when you have one of those Bibles in your possession, 
you know you have the very preserved Word of God. And that's important because why do men try to change it? Then they can take you away from some of the things that the Bible's commanded. Well, that's not for us. <laughs> you know, I still think the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. A lot of their texts just eliminate that. Forgiveness is through the blood of Christ. Colossians 1.14, we have forgiveness by His blood. They, they eliminate by His blood. So, is what they said they left out wasn't important? Uh, the blood of Christ is not important? Did He come to save that which was lost is not important? That's a doctrinal problem. That's a great doctrinal problem. But today, people delight themselves into things. They get on social media, for an example. You got Facebook, you got Twitter, you got Snapchat, and a whole bunch of others. To be honest with you, I haven't been on any of them. You know, I don't have any of them. My life is dull. I don't know how I'm going to go to heaven without Facebook, you know. But um, look, I'm not condemning anybody on those things. I, I, how can I condemn what I don't know about? But I can tell you this, there are people who spend hours upon hours upon hours in those things and have little time for the Lord. They're not delighting themselves in the thing, but by the hours and the time they spend, they get a new device. You get a new device, man, they study that thing, and they'll spend three or four days just seeing all they can do with that thing. And they learn something, they learn something, and they delight in that. Look what I got. Hey. But what about delighting in God that way? You see, some people can read a portion of the Bible and a devotional every day and feel, oh, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm doing well. I read a, a devotion and, and from the devotional booklet, and I read the Bible today, and, and I do that every day, so I'm really good. But they go from there, and a few hours later, they can't remember what they read. Why? Because they don't meditate therein day and night, as the rest of it says. They delight in the law, that they might delight therein. They don't share it with others. Now, you get up in the morning early, and you go out, and you, you, you share the Word of God with someone else. What you learn today, you can help edify another brother. Or you might bring a lost person to Christ just by sharing what you got in the Word of God that day. As you meditate on it and you think on it and, and, and you begin to grow in it. And so, people don't delight in it. Uh, now, it's not just the social media. I mean, it can be other things. Uh, sports, hobbies of any kind. Uh, NFL just had their draft here a few weeks ago, I believe. Okay, somebody's an NFL nut, and they, they just really, they got this team, and they're behind. I mean, Tampa Bay, I think, won the Super Bowl this year, so they're, they're the guys. So they're, they're looking at their draft. And somebody will get there, when, after they've made all their picks, they'll go in and look up on the Internet somewhere about each person, find out all they can find out about each person they drafted, look at the team, look who's leaving, look who's coming, and, and, and they go through everything. That's their life. 
in their free time. And you may be saved, but how much free time is given to God? And yet we expect God to answer our prayers. We expect blessings from God when for the most part He doesn't have the time of day from us. It's kind of contradictory and really hypocritical on our part. Now, as I've read those first couple of verses of Psalms chapter 1, I want you to keep this passage in mind because I'm kind of laying a groundwork for this, for this week and next week. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, we read this. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Uh, he's saying it wasn't man's philosophy and his philosophical meanderings that brought about the Bible. It says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. There is no verse in the Bible that contradicts any other verse in the Bible. Now you say, oh, yes, there is. Look, I was with an adjunct professor. Now, by that I mean this guy went to Europe, in the United States, and lectured at the top universities through those things. He said, how'd you get to meet him? I had some people in my first church that knew him very well. And they asked me to go talk. I went by his house and talked to him. I was still in college. <laughs> I had not graduated yet, let alone uh, be a very knowledgeable person. Talking to him. And he made the comment. He said, well, I have a problem with the Bible because there are contradictions in it. Now, at that time, I think I'd read the Bible through at least five times. So I said, well, you know, that's an interesting thing that you say. I said, you know... I've read the entire Bible through at least five times, and I've never found it. Could you show me where it is? And his look on his face said, oh, well, I don't know where they are, but I know they're in there. And I said, you know, I'm going to say this respectfully to you, but I don't think you'd accept that from your students. Just let me share what I believe. And I gave him the gospel. He did not get saved that day. But it was uh, about a year later, the uh, people, the friends that had asked me to go see him said, you know what, he's dying, but he asked the Lord to save him. I don't know if it stuck from then or somebody else gave him the gospel when he got saved. It doesn't matter who did. It's the fact that he got saved is what's important. And so, I'm saying that just say this, is that a lot of times, we say, well, there's just things, and, and that's what the devil does. He tries to help you to doubt the Word of God. And so if you can change the Bible, people want to change the Bible, thinking they're doing a good service to man, well, we're making it more understandable. No, you're not. If it did what people said it would do, this nation and all Christians in this nation would be 100% more holy than they are now more righteous than they are now, 
walking closer to God more than they, are, uh, than they do now. I was talking to someone yesterday and was, was talking about church attendance, you know, and things of that nature. And one of the things that came up was, was the idea of uh, church, you know, well, so many churches are cutting out Sunday night. Some are cutting out Wednesday night. And, and, and even Sunday school now is, is not called Sunday school because it offends people. Yeah, it offends the devil. But really, you know, I, I said, you know, we ought to go back like they did in church, uh, in the Bible. You know, if somebody said, because people will bring up, that's one thing we said, people bring up, well, the Bible doesn't say Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And they're absolutely right. In the Bible, they met every day. How would they react to that? Okay, let's do it like the Bible says. Every day, they met daily. Oh, well, wait a minute now. That's, that's going to interfere with some things. And sometimes it, it interfered in that day with work. The ladies would be there, and then the men, they got done working. They'd come, they'd be there. I mean, one, one passage... The Apostle Paul preached till midnight. You thought I preached long. He preached till midnight. <laughs> One guy's in the upper deck fell. And Paul had power with God that that guy could raise up from the dead. And so, when we think about this, Every word is God-breathed. That's why holy men of old were used, because God could only trust holy men. Now, now think of it in this manner. God used, we know, David. He used the Apostle Paul. David in the Old Testament was used to write some Scripture. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament was used to write some Scripture. So let's think about that. David was had every word, word for word, breathed out to him of Psalms 51. What's that? That's the psalm that's talking about his sin with Bathsheba. Now, God had holy men to take down those words because the average man may just say, you know what, I'm not going to write that one down. I want to say this. I want to say that. And begin to change the words. And especially if it's about themselves. Do you think that David thought, boy, this is great. Everybody's going to think I'm cool. I cheated with Bathsheba and killed her husband. No, he doesn't want to talk about that. What about the Apostle Paul, Romans 7, 15 through 25? He says, the good that I would do, I do not. And the evil I wouldn't do, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Think Paul wanted to really write that about himself? And one of the blessings for Paul is that we're not told exactly what the good was that he was going to do that he didn't do. And especially what the evil was that he said he was going to do and he didn't end up doing. We're not told about that. But we know that it happened. And God used this holy man. Look, I'm surprised that I'm preaching the word of God. I know me. It's worse than accusations that's been made. But that's all right. Somehow, 
God can take a David who's a murderer and an adulterer and change him, sanctify him, that is, set him apart to make him holy, that he might be used of God to preach the gospel. He can use Paul that way, who consented, gave the go-ahead, in other words, to kill Stephen, who preached the word. Wow. God could use those men. That tells me, first of all, if you're not sure if you die today that heaven's your home, God can save you. God wants to save you. But it's not just to save you from your sin and its consequences. It's to save you, to use his for his great glory. Now, delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating in it day and night. Just think about that. People say the Old Testament, yeah, that's old. No, that's, that's, no look. Go and stick with that. Just realize the danger of it. Okay. The Old Testament doesn't really count for today. Great, man, we don't obey the Ten Commandments now. Go ahead and kill your neighbor. Uh, go ahead and commit adultery. Um, don't honor your mother and father. Or preacher, I don't agree with that. Well, it's the Ten Commandments. You say it's not important anymore. It doesn't apply to us today. Part of the law. You see, when the devil gives you an argument, it will not hold water before God. Is that not what happened to Adam and Eve? Listen to what Jesus had to say, and I better let you listen to what Jesus had to say next week because I see that our time's getting away from us. But what I want you to see is this. Jesus did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He said that before the cross. Now, people will say things that are just completely off base, completely wrong because it doesn't line up with the Word of God. For an example, some will say if you do the best you can, God will weigh the good against the bad and, and you'll make it to heaven. <laughs> you think the Apostle Paul and David should have made it to heaven been murderers and adulterers? Well, maybe that's not quite right. Well, if you join the church, if you get baptized. I had somebody say to me, uh, yes, if you, you can lose your salvation. Well, if it was up to us to keep it, we would lose it. But it's not up to God keeps it. Once we receive him as our Lord and Savior, I'm kept by him. Not by Andy Bloom. I was kept by him now. I'm his. But the other thing with that, he chastens it his own. I, I tell you what, he can chase him. I mean, you grow up in a house and, and mom and dad may be old school and they chasing and, 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 and scourge and it can hurt. But it's not anything like what God can do to try to straighten out his children. But just like the parents, it's for your good. 
No, baptized. I, I've had people say, well, you know, get baptized. And said, well, one told me, he said, you can uh, lose your salvation. You get saved. I said, well, you get baptized. No, no, no. Baptism stands. So I said, so the corruptible water that's in the baptistry has more long-lasting power than the blood of Jesus Christ. Is that what you're telling me? Well, you don't understand. And they were right. I don't understand that because it's not in the Bible. So, well, then others will say, well, you're either elected to go to heaven or you're elected to go to hell. So, since God breathed every word, and actually Revelation chapter 22 is quoting Jesus, where he says, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Did Jesus lie? Did Jesus get it wrong? Of course not. Now look, whether election took place before the foundation of the world, which it did, but that wasn't elected to be saved, that was elected for after you're saved. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed 2,000 years ago. Believe it or not, I wasn't there. I hadn't sinned yet. 2,000 years ago, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for me. For you, for each of us. That blood had to be perfect blood of a perfect sacrifice. There was only one person that was ever without sin, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a spirit. He dwelt in heaven in eternity past. As a matter of fact, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. Matter of fact, John 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh, speaking of Jesus Christ. Get it in your mind, Jesus Christ is the living Word, the Bible is the written Word, and there is no contradiction between the two. He had to be a perfect sacrifice. I could not die for anyone's sin in here that would pay their penalty. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus paid it all on the cross. Even before I sinned, he paid for every sin I ever would or ever have committed. He did that for you. He did that for me. Three days later, he rose up bodily from the grave. The Bible says that he has in Revelation 1.18 the keys of hell and of death. That guarantees our resurrection. The resurrection is sure. Now, what is my thing then? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. We only go to heaven through him. So I must realize, number one, I'm a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, I must believe that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh who died for my sin. Romans 10, 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, his deity, he's God, Jesus, his humanity, which stood in my place. The Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved for with the heart Man believeth unto salvation, and with, uh, believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, the heart man believeth unto righteousness? Yeah, remember? 
Jesus is my substitute. So how do I believe in the righteousness? I believe in his righteousness that will fulfill what Ephesians 1, 6 says, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted in Christ. Therefore, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, believing that Jesus died for him and rose from the dead, believing that he should be your Lord and Savior, that he should be your God, believing that you call upon him and that moment you give him your life, as a matter of fact, that is the giving of your word. I've told you plenty of times, I've had couples come down this aisle and I've pronounced the man and wife because they each gave their word to the other. They each said, I do. They each gave their word. Bible likens getting saved to that. As a matter of fact, marriage is supposed to be a picture of salvation, not salvation, a picture of marriage. It's in marriage you're making commitment. It's the same commitment with this greater responsibility in giving your life to Christ. He's the head. You're the one in the position of submission. But the promise is everlasting life. The promise is the blessed man who will walk in the will of God, who will do the things that God would have him to do. And not only will he have blessings here, but the eternal blessings is what we look for. When we dwell in heaven forever, 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 forever. So let me ask you, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that heaven would be your home? Because when your spirit leaves this body, it's either going to go to hell or to go to heaven. The very moment your physical eyes close in death, that spirit within you will go to one of those two places forever. Do you have a good scriptural reason why you know that if you die today that heaven is your home? If you don't, then I want to invite you to come to know him as your Lord and Savior today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You can say, well, that's not fair. That's not the way I want to do it. But understand, the consequence of saying no to Christ is to go to hell forever. And hell is a reality. But so is heaven. God gives you a choice. What is your choice? Let's bow our heads, please.